Kritov, today's staff is Nunvav, which is the big beginning of a major agarita on the destruction of the base of Mikdash, but we first pick up at the bottom of Nunham with Bet in the Gemara on the Mishnah. And the Mishnah, seemingly because we were dealing with certain takanot and relating to things that are stolen and so on, that was property that was seized by a sikriko and some type of assassin, and um, at what stage would we say that if you, a third party, uh, uh, somebody else purchased it from him, he, uh, the, you know, he owns it or does not own it. So let's take a look, and that was in the context of before, after the wars of Chorban Abayas. So the Gemara says like this, Hashda, the Mishnah said that the Sikrakon didn't exist at the time of the uh, those you know the wars um, of the Chorban Abayas, literally those that were murdered during Chor- during the war. How much more so should if if it's that if there weren't that it was that, that phenomenon didn't exist then did it exist after that? So Amar no Kamar no 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 it means that at that time the, obviously the phenomenon of, was there of the Sikrakon but the law that the Mishnah is talking about did not apply. Um, there were three edicts at the time of the Chorban Habayas. The first edict, any presumably like Roman soldier that does not kill a Jew will be killed. So Mitsiasa, the middle edict was called the Katil Lathiar Bezuze. So it wasn't that you were you would you would get killed if you didn't kill a Jew, but if you did kill a Jew, you would be rewarded with four Zuz. And Basraisa, the final Kzera was called the Katilik Tuluhu. They were trying to instill after I guess the time of the war itself. Maybe it was during the war they were trying to murder, you know, kill all the Jews. After the war they were maybe trying to do some mop up operation. Um and then but, but finally then when they were t- after the transition period, they were trying to reinstill order, and then they said at this stage anybody that were to kill, would kill a Jew would be killed. The first and second stages where you were obligated or at least rewarded to kill a Jew. So keep the Kotlil, since you since you would be since uh, the guy would be you, you know you would be killed. If you were basically told by a Roman soldier by one of these guys, give me your land and I won't kill you, you knew that he really was going to kill you because he either would get killed or at least you get rewarded for that. So you really wanted him to just take the land and you had real full intent to uh, to give him the land to save your life. So in that case, anybody who would buy the land after from him would own it. You wouldn't have to come back and even buy it from you. You had totally trans- you had totally you know given it to that uh, to that Roman. But um, Basraisa by the third edict, where the person was not allowed to kill you, Omar, so he's threatening your life, but he's not allowed to kill you. So when you give him the land, you don't really want to sell him the land because you say to yourself, let him take it today, and then tomorrow I'll be able to pursue him in court. Okay, so in the third case, even though you gave him the land, you didn't really want to give it to him. You just gave it to him because temporarily you couldn't, but you knew that you hoped you. You, you expected that you would have some type of legal recourse and in that case if somebody were to buy the land off the secret cone after he took it from you um, he would still have to go back and buy it from you and buy it from you in the right order to know that you really wanted to sell it to him 
Okay, so the Gemara is now not analyzing the specifics in the Mishnah. It just sort of laid that as a, you know, almost as a backdrop to now transition into the Agadah about Korban Abayas, because now it laid this period of Korban Abayas where they were killing all the Jews. But it's interesting, it didn't like sort of unpack the Mishnah, but the idea of the Mishnah is, is that now the non-Jew, the Sikrakon, doesn't really own it. So you, a third party, are going to buy it from the Sikrakon. If you first buy it from the Sikrakon and then from the original owner, it's not a good purchase, because he's doing it out of fear, because he wants the Sikrakon, he knows that the Sikrakon wants the sale to go through. And the only way it works works is if you first buy from the owner um, and then from the Sikrakon. That was stage one. And then stage two was, presumably it was a sense that uh, it was not likely that the original owner was, uh, you know, was going to get it back. So you basically it led to a position where either the original owner had the right to first, first the right to purchase it from the Sikrakon. And if he didn't, you be, bought it from the Sikrakon and gave the owner a quarter of the value. So that was stage two of the Takana. Again, the Gemara is not really going into that. It's transitioning straight into the Agarita now of Corbin Abayas. Yes, Charlie. Does this little sugya have any impact on the makhlukah over whether non-Jews can own land in Eretz Israel? Well, yeah, I mean, there's not a question about whether they can... Well, yes. I mean, um, the reality was, obviously, they would purchase land and own land. The question is whether that would have a status for Chumas and Maestros, how much legally, according to Halacha, would they have a right to change the actual structure of the land. But the reality was, we weren't always in control of that situation. And the reality was, was that they would own land. Okay. So now the Gemara says, now it's going to transition into Korban Abayas without, interestingly, like I said, with sort of like just glossing over the legal ap- aspects of this, uh, the halachic aspects of the Mishnah. I'm Reb Yochanan. Said Reb Yochanan, my dear, what's meant by the verse? Ashri Adam Tamid. Praise is the person that is constantly afraid. What does that mean? Um, so, Umakshali Bo Yipo and one who strengthens his heart will fall into evil. Akamso Bar Kamsa Charov Yushalayim. So Yushalayim was destroyed because of the story of Kamsa and Bar Kamsa. The the Tor Malka, this uh, city was destroyed because of a chicken and a rooster, because of a hen and a rooster. A rooster and a hen. A shaka de rispak, and for like some type of a, uh, of an axle of a, uh, or a wall of a, a carriage, um, charuv beitar, beitar was destroyed. And now we're going to look at that. What does it have to do with the Pasuk that we quoted? So the most obvious is going to be the issue about makshelibo, you know, strength in your heart. I mean, I mean, people know the story of Kamsa Bar Kamsa about the person that what, did not have any sympathy for this guy that was accidentally invited into his house and so on. So it has to do with like a hardness of heart. But also the uh, beginning of the Pasuk of Tamid, which tells, which is um, um, you know that is basically doesn't just mean like uh, somebody who's constantly anxious, but somebody who is um, um, you know fearful of uh, you know concerned about their actions and concerned that they're doing the right thing and so on. Like one explanation is you're afraid for your, about your sins, you know. So it's the right type of a concern about about. Um, so therefore, and these are people that show no concern that you know their actions are no concern for the pending possible destruction of Yerushalayim and we're just constantly you know very much like you know uh, um, um, you know sort of like uh, approaching things with like blinders on so that's like the reverse of the of the Makshali bow okay so these are people that don't have any concern about the bigger picture about what might be happening and we'll see that in the story um, and are you know very focused on just the here and now and not thinking about the possible ramifications and also this hardness of heart so let's take a look Akamsa Bar Kamsa, um, 
comes about comes of Yerushalayim. Now it's also worth mentioning that like Kamsa means like a you know is like something like to, to like uh, to like uh, grab to like hold back like you know it's like it's like stinginess. It's a uh, you know uh, what's the right word um, uh, anyway like so anyway but somebody it's the opposite of generosity Miser. what miserliness right to be like to, you know a comet is a hand breath like you close everything in your hand right so it's a lack of generosity of spirit is also the uh, you know obviously those words are significant there was a man who uh, his friend his, his, his good friend was Chamsa Ubal Devali and his enemy was Bar Chamsa um, Udasa and he made a feast this person he said to his attendant go invite for me Chamsa my friend he went and he accidentally invited Bar Kamsa. So the host found Bar Kamsa that was sitting. So this is my, this guy's my enemy. My What's he doing here? Get out of here. So Bar Kamsa says to the host, since, look, since I'm already here, Shavkin, just leave me alone. Let me stay. Don't embarrass me. I'll pay you for what I'm eating. And I'm drinking. He said to him, no, I refuse. I'll give you half of the cost of my field. I'm no, I'm not not of my field. Of the whole of the whole feast. I'll pay you for the whole feast. I'm no, not to the other. He's so so committed to his enmity and you know to his hatred, right? So he took him in his hand, he stood him up and he and he like you know, cast him out. Amar, um Hoyo, one also wonders if there's a little bit of a like also of a uh, metaphor here, you know, about the siege of Yerushalayim, right? You know, that like people that are so committed to being you know, to being at war, they're not able, you know, to kicking people out, right? So obviously on the one hand it's the Romans, but it's also, you know, as we're gonna see, it's the um it's the zealots within the city, right? So people that are just so committed to their enmity and their hatred and so on that they're not able to switch gears, you know, even when there's a much Obvious other course mm-hmm. that could be, you know, could that that, that could make things much better. Yes. Kamsa probably thought that this guy is never named was trying to uh, right appease him or something. Yes, exactly, him. exactly. Okay, so not to be other than Ukmi the Afghan, and he took kicked him out. Since there was rabbis at that meal and they did not stop him, they did not protest. So we see that they're okay with it, which also raises another scene about you know about uh, what, what is it, what's the statement? The only thing evil men need to flourish is for you know good men to stand by and do nothing, right? So the other theme about the people that were not directly active in bringing these to the destruction about, but they act, but through their inaction and through the fact that they did not stand up and protest. Okay, what well, maybe they didn't see in this case, but anyway, that doesn't matter. I mean, he thought they did. But again, I think that the larger theme here is also pointing to the responsibility that the rabbis had. You know, it's very nice to blame the zealots and to blame this and whatever. Who were the people that were in a position, either even before things got to a crisis moment, that they could have redirected certain courses of events, or when things got to the crisis moment? And we're going to see that about the ways in which the rabbis let things happen, right? So that's another major theme here, is about the people who are to blame, not because of what they did, but because of what they could have done and didn't do.
So we see they're okay with it. Let me go and sort of this phrase of to eat bekartsa is a is an idiomatic phrase, but it means basically let me go and like um, and spread you know evil report about them, be malshin on them, libel them in the house of the king of the Caesar. Also, Amalei so he went and he said to the Caesar, Mardu Yehudai, the Jews are rebelling. Amalei Miyamar says who? Amalei Shadalahu Korbana, go send them a sacrifice. Chazis, and you see, Imakrivimlei, if they'll offer it up. Azul Shadibyade, Eglatilsa, he went and he sent to him a this uh, third calf. Whether that does that mean there's whole debates about exactly what that means. But anyway, Tuzla just says it means a very satin calf. The Hadid Kaase, as uh, Barkamsa was bringing it to uh, Yerushalayim, Shadabe Muma, he, he made a blemish in it. Beniv Sasayim, in like its upper lip. Um, also, Niv Sasayim, you know, indication about speech and the power of speech in all of these stories, um, which we will see. The Amarla, Bedukin Shabayin, and some say it's a, in a, a tiny little like a cataract of the eye. Um, so, Duchted Ledan Havimuma, something that for us is a, it's a tiny little blemish, but for us it counts as a blemish. But for their sacrifices, they don't consider that a blemish. So the Romans wouldn't realize that there's a problem with this animal, but the Jews wouldn't be able to offer it up. So the rabbis at the time, again, it's interesting that it's the rabbis since it was probably the Kohanim and the Sadducees that had more control of what was going on in the base of Mikvash. But be that as it may, the rabbis at the time thought to offer it up. The is adopting that attitude, though, which is also important. That, that attitude that, yeah, we should, you know, we should bend the rules. Exactly. So exactly. So here you're actually seeing an approach of, like, oh, you mean that, you mean as opposed to, like, the Sadducees, they're a little more, reflect, you mean, in general? Yeah, like, right. Whoever it was, Right. Gemara is adopting that. Right, exactly. That they should have bent the rules. Be the wiser for Exactly. And that gets exactly to, right, exactly as, as opposed to that we were seeing that we're sort of already, like, you know, telegraphing the idea of, like, rabbi standing by and not acting and being very stuck in your ways and not being able to be flexible. And here, the rabbis have an opportunity to do something, to actually bend the rules, be flexible, see the bigger picture, and do it because of, you know, to, because you got the Roman government there. You want to make peace with them. So this Rabbi Zechariah ben Avkulu, so I don't know if we ever hear about him any other time, said, What? You can't do that. People are going to think that you can bring a Baal to the to the altar. Okay, so therefore, because of that, you know, of that sort of very classic way of looking at things, it can, you know, very sort of, you know, about these, these, small, these small little concerns, not being able to see the bigger picture, and not being able to bend the verse. So, so they said, fine, if we can't go ahead, if we have to bring, can't bring this because of halachic concerns, let's kill this Bar Kamsa guy. So he shouldn't go and report back to us, to the Roman government. So Amalu Reb so Reb said, People say that the punishment for, for blemishing the sacrifice is that you're put to death. So, you know, so such this concern about the halachic implications that other people will learn from it, and not this obviously much bigger concern about the Roman government. So, um, I'm a Rabbi Yochanan. So Rabbi Yochanan said, "An v'tunuso shel Rabbi Zechariah ben Avkulus hechrivas beitenu v'sarfes hechalenu v'iglisenu me'artzenu." So the humility of Rabbi Zechariah ben Avkulus destroyed our house 
and burnt the and burnt the heichal, you know, destroyed the base burnt the heichal, the uh, sanctuary, and caused us to exile from our land. Now it's pretty interesting because first of all, why to describe it as humility? But what it means is that sometimes you know you need to take a little bit of initiative. That you can't just say like, oh, who are we to change halacha? Who are we to do something out of bounds? Right. So as opposed to sort of seeing this, I mean, you could have said his like his obstinacy, right? His you know you know his uh, his aggressiveness. He wouldn't let us change things, but it could also be framed as like, you know, no, who are we to change things? Like, you know, and like, uh, so, so it, uh, so it sort of puts the other side in this sort of, you know, on the defensive. Like, uh, we're trying to, you're, who are, you know, who, who, who do you think we are that we can go ahead and change the halakha or whatever? So, it, you know, it, 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 uh, it's, it's a way in which this position, which is not the wise course of action here, but it's framed as the very from one, as the humble one, as the one, you know, of who are we to make those types of changes, so, number one. But the other interesting thing you need to, uh, that needs to be pointed out is that it's very nice that they're pointing the finger at him, but obviously the rabbis weren't willing to take him on. You know, so it was, I mean, he might have been the part of the reason, right? But how about the other part, about the rabbis who stood back and weren't willing to take him on and to say, no, you know, we've got to look at the bigger picture here. Yes, Charlie. Uh, could Bar have had the din of a Moser? Yeah, he could have. Obviously, he would have. But that's uh, but the point here is that this Reb Zechariah was afraid that people would misinterpret it. And there and were so, a lot of great sages who were around at that time. And who is this? Right, exactly. So it's very nice that they say his humility. But you know, but some but the rabbis have to take responsibility for not standing up to him too. Their humility also that they didn't stand up to him. Right. So what is the the greatness? Right. Uh, or, you know, it could be sometimes it's called for. Right. To be like Rabbi Zacharias. Right, right, exactly, yeah. Do you see any connection with the previous what we studied yesterday about the feast that post being accepted? Oh. They made, uh, is that kind of a change on that level? Right, I, I mean, that's an excellent point, you know, which is, so, that's really an excellent point which didn't occur to me, but so much of the entire paragraph and a half, I mean, you're talking about just yesterday, was about the rabbis exercising their power for the sake of tikkun olam and making radical change like a woman you know who should be who shouldn't be divorced made her divorced because of Hefker based in Hefker something that shouldn't be a korban making it into a korban like you know real power and like profound like not just you know monetary issues but you know issues about the Beis HaMikdash and korbanos and personal status and all these things which is like a real expression of rabbinic power right and it's like for you know so that's a really excellent point you know that contrast in a way maybe that's like the Tikkun like you know we realize after we completely sort of you know um, um, sort of you know renounced our responsibility you know in the, in the course of events here that we really have to own that power and own that responsibility so that's a really excellent point that's occurred to me to see the whole previous thing as like as you know these things in contrast like look what happens if you have too much another who are we to change the law who are we to do anything like the disaster happens right that's an excellent point yeah um, okay. Um, uh, okay. Shudder Alavayu Leniwan Kesar. So they so they sent against them. You know, say Nero. So, so Nero was now coming to do war against them. Kikaasi, um, as he was drawing close, shot a Nero. He, Gira, he, he shot an arrow, Lemizrach, to the east. Asenaf of Yerushalayim. It fell towards the direction of Jerusalem. He was doing this to, like, you know, to divine, you know, whether this was the right course of events. 
the Marev to the west, Asanaf of the Yushalayim, it fell towards Jerusalem. Arba Ruchos Hashemayim, to all four directions, Asanaf of the Yushalayim. So it's clear that it was like divinely ordained that he should come in destroy Jerusalem. Amalei Leonuka. Every which direction that you can think of. What? By Shul's face every which Oh. Because <laughs> every direction goes to Yerushalayim. Amalei Leonuka, so he said to a child, Psokli Psukayach, tell me the Pasuk that you're reading. Of course, this is obviously, this is the way the rabbis would sort of try to, you know, divine God's will, and now they're putting this in the mouth of Nero. But anyway, tell me what, 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 what biblical verse you happen to be reading. Amalei, he said to uh, Nero there, V'nasati esnik masib I will do my I will give my do my vengeance against Edom, which for the rabbis meant Rome. Biyadam Israel through my nation Israel. So Amar, so Nero said, It's clear he wants his base on this destroyed because all the arrows are falling towards Jerusalem. He's going to wipe his hands on me, so he's going to get me to do his dirty work because it says he'll take his vengeance against Edom, and then he you know so I so he's going to get me to do his dirty work, and then he's going to blame it all on me. So I'm not going to be part of this. Okay, so Arat Azio, he ran away and he went and he converted. Now why he converted, I don't know. I mean, you think God here is trying to blame, get me to do his dirty work. But, uh, you know, now the Jews are about to have their base make this destroyed. What? To be on the winning side. The win- eventual winning side. The side that's going to be losing for the here and now. Yeah, but okay. Anyway, the Nubic... Apparently. This is Nero the Caesar. <laughs> this is in the rabbinic imagination. Okay. Vinafik Mine Rabbi Mayer. Now Rabbi Mayer descended from Nero. I don't know what we're supposed to make from that, that Rabbi Mayer and why they picked Nero. I guess because Nero was was Nero the Caesar right before Vespasian? Was he the one? I mean Uh there were three short I knew somebody would know it between Nero and Vespasian who ruled for less than a year each. Aha, uh-huh, but soon after Nero was, was, the, was the first significant emperor after, after Nero. So okay, okay. Anyway, okay. Shadri Eliyuli Kesar. So they sent now against him um, Vespasian. All right. Now obviously, as we're going to see, Vespasian here calls him Vespasian, the Caesar Vespasian, but he was not yet the Caesar in the way this in this story. Okay. So he's now this Vespasian, who's now a general, is waging war. You know, coming to besiege Jerusalem. Asad Sarah lost Tlosser Shani. He besieged it for three years. There were three wealthy people in Yerushalayim. Nakdim and Ben-Gurion, um, who we hear about elsewhere. ben Kalba Savua, Ben Kalbasavua, who was Rabbi Akiva's uh, father-in-law, um, Ube, right? Wasn't he Rabbi Akiva's father-in-law? Ben Kalbasavua, I think so. In another story, um, what? His wife's father. His father-in-law. Who Ben Tzitzit Hakeset? And somebody called Ben Tzitzit Hakeset. Um, yeah, although right, okay, Ben Tzitzit Hakeset. Nakdimon Ben Goyon. So who's Nakdimon Ben Goyon? What does that mean? Mean Shenakta Lochama Ba'avuro. Somehow he was like so wealthy, it was as if the sun pierced through the heavens for his sake. Ben if anybody would go into his house when he was hungry, Kikelev, as hungry as a dog, would come out as sated, would come out sated. The, the sated dog. Ben that his uh, fringes of his garment, would, would drag on pillows. You know, people would walk around carrying pillows, you know, by him so that the fringes of his garments wouldn't touch the ground. Igadami, some say, his chair would be 
Ben Gedolei Romi, amongst the uh, you know the great uh, 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 prestigious uh, people of Rome. Okay. Anyway, Chad Amar Lehu once said, I will support all of Jerusalem because they're now besieged; they're not getting any stuff coming in. I'll support all of them with wheat and uh, and. Um, with uh, what's it called? With um, with wheat and barley. Vachadamar once said, "Lehu, but the chamer, but the milcha. I will I will take care of providing all of the wine and salt. Umishchan oil. Vachadamar lehu, and another one said to all the people of Yerushalayim, the ditzivi. I will support them with like uh, chips of wood, with like uh, you know firewood. Vishavchor abanuli ditzivi, and the rabbis praised the one who would support them with the firewood more than the other two. Why? Drafchizda." Rafkiza would give over all his keys to his attendant, except for the keys to the uh, firewood house, uh, you know, uh, storage facility. Because Rafkiza said, One warehouse of wheat requires 60 warehouses of firewood to, uh, to, break, to bake the wheat, right? It's like they say, you know, how much like grazing land is required to produce, you know, like one pound of meat, right? So anyway, so the guy who was providing the uh, the firewood was obviously a huge amount. I don't know if his value was, you know, obviously firewood presumably is cheaper than wheat and other things, but anyway, it was a huge amount. That's, that's a good point. Okay. Anyway, how amazing they could have supported Jerusalem in siege for 21 years. Obviously, this is a bit of an exaggeration. Anyway, now there were these biryoni, which are basically seems to be these zealots. Uh, um, I don't know. Well, has it, what's the what's the what's the etymology of that word? Does, does he give it there? Signs out. Oh, here we go. Uh, the source of this word has not been found. There you go. It says from the root boar empty. Yeah, I don't think that's really it. Anyway, the zealots. Possibly connected to Pretoria. Pretoria. Pretoria? Yeah, it's uh, the, uh, from the life of Brian. I remember. Oh, I see. I see. Okay, but no, this seems to be no, but this seems to be that they were Jews. It was the it was the zealots. Palace guards, really? So it was Romans? But no, from the context, it's clear that it was the zealots. Anyway, um, so let's go out. The rabbis here for once, right? They were trying to be the ones to see the bigger picture and they wanted to make peace let's go out and let's make peace you know let's just uh, you know let's just surrender and make peace um, they wouldn't allow them so now the uh, zealot said no let's go war against them the rabbi said it won't, it won't work out you're not going to like which is a phrase that also means like God won't help you you know but it's not going to work out you won't succeed so in order to force the people to go to war what the zealots did is they got up they, 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 they burned down the warehouses of wheat and, and barley okay to force people you have no choice so you have to go to war so you know you have to fight and there was a famine Martha Bas Baisos Martha the daughter of Baisos um, she was one of the wealthy people of Yerushalayim we also know about Baisos Baisos Ben Zonin he appears in a number of stories one minute this is such a great story she sends her shaliach and she says to him go get for me fine flour 
Adazio, um, by the time he got to the market, right, is dubbin. It was all sold. Also, Amala, he came back and said to her, Smidalek, there's no fine flour, flour, but there's still the, uh, you know, white flour. Amala, fine, Zilai, Sili, go get it for me. Adazio, he's dubbin, by the time he got back, that had sold. Also, Amala came back and said, there's no white flour, Kushkara, there's like more coarse flour. Amala, she said to him, Zilai, Sili, you would think at one of these stages, she would have just said, Get me whatever is available. <laughs> anyway, she also had a cell phone. He could have like just texted her. Anyway, go get it for me. he's By the time he got there, that was sold. Azav He said back to her. Came back and said, Gushkaraleka. There's no coarse flour. Kimcha the sari ika. But there's still barley flour. Go get it for me. By the time he got there, he's dubbing. Okay, it also got sold. Have shalifa misana. She was, um, you know, she took off her shoe. Amr, and she said, let me go out and see if she, uh, if he has found anything to eat. I la parsa bakara. She stuck she she stuck her foot into some cow dung. Umesa and she died because it was she was so, you know, disgusted from it. She had been so refined and now she was just so, you know, overwhelmed by like this uh, disgust of this. Um, um and uh Umesa. Karyali Rebyoman Zakai, Bjorman Zakai read about her the verse one minute. Harachabha Vahanuga, Asherloni Shesakafragla, the delicate one that her foot has never been put on the ground, you know, so you know so from you know from her delicacy. So here this curse was coming to. I don't know why she took off her shoes though. Um, anyway, yes. Why didn't she put on her shoes when she was going out? Yes. But she, she was uh, Yehoshua Ben Gamla's uh, wife. Mm. Okay. Uh, well, she had all that money she used to buy the high priesthood for her. Husband. Oh, oh, that's an interesting point. Right, right, right. I forgot that that she was the one that bought the high priesthood. Right. Okay. Um, does that say anything about why it says she took off her shoe? No, I don't think she took off her shoe deliberately. She said she wasn't she, wearing oh, she just wasn't wearing shoes. Having a shawl for She was barefoot. Yeah, but she didn't put her on as to, right. She didn't bother to put them on when she went out, but okay. Um, okay. Uh, five. Uh, where are we? Um, that's true. What her, means her, her shoes were off. Okay. Uh, where were we? Uh, okay. Some say Grogos Rebitzadok Achla. She ate one of the dried figs of Rebitzadok. We're going to see that Rebitzadok basically was fasting, and when he would eat some food, he would suck out the juice of the dried figs. So Rashi says, but you know, he was so like ill and sickly that uh, some of his, uh, you know, you know, some of his germs. Rashi doesn't say germs. So Rashi says some of the sickness attached to the figs that he threw out. So she found one of these, uh, one of these uh, thrown out figs. And the itnisia, the nisa umesa, and she became endangered and she died. Um, um he was for 40 years in a fast presumably not a continuous he would probably be like maybe it would be like a, you know he'd break it in the you know every few days or in the evenings that Yerushalayim should not be destroyed when he would finally like you know you know finally eat something um, in between the fasts he would be so thin that you could see the food going down from the outside the um, um, and he was a little bit uh, healthier grogros, and he would, they would bring him some dried fig he would suck out the water the juices the shadilu when he would throw it out okay so anyway so that's how she died now so obviously that's in contrast to this very delicate woman here he is he's fasting himself also you know 
it's uh, Tzadok, right? He's the Tzadik. He's the one person that is the one who's aware of what's happening and through, you know, it's sort of like a very private righteousness, right? It's also like, you know, he's obviously very righteous, but it's not having an impact on anybody else. Um, anyway, um, now, um, so when she died, so apparently she was in the process of dying. She hadn't died yet. And she took out all of her gold and silver and threw it out into the marketplace. Amran, she said, what do I need this for anymore? Right? It's now worthless. Um, that's what my diverse. There's silver they shall throw out into the uh, into the street. Okay, so that's the end of that story. Now Abba Sakra. Now we spoke about the sikrikon, right? And sakra is the sakari, which are the uh, right. Is that the Greek word that means like a, a dagger or something? Latin for dagger. Latin for dagger. So that was another name for the zealots, right? Okay. So Abba Sikara, he was Reish Biryoni Jerusalem. He was the head of the zealots of Jerusalem. Bar Achaseid Reb Yochanan Zakai, but who is Reb Yochanan Zakai's nephew? Havishalachla. Now Reb Yochanan Zakai sent for him. Tabit Sina Legabai, come in private, meet with me. Asa, he came. Amalei. So Reb Yochanan Zakai said. How long are you going to stay in your sort of, you know, in the in your in your uh, rebellion here, and you're going to kill the whole everybody through famine? I'm away, so this Abba Sakara said to him, "My Avid, what can I do? The Amina Luhu, Midi. If I tell them to not do something else, probably they'll kill me, even though I'm the head. But you know, they they won't listen to me. I'm away. Look, let's try to figure out some solution for me. The A book that to get me out of the city. Maybe I will, there'll be some small salvation. There'll be something that I'll be able to preserve. You know, maybe we'll be able to, you know, do something. He said, fine, here's what we're going to do. The Kitsiri, you know, um, make it look like you're sick. Let all of your students come. Let everybody come to ask after your welfare. You know, lie in bed for many days. Make it look like you're dying. Everybody will come and visit you. Like, put up a good show. The icy meaty sarya. Get something that is sten- that is stenching, that's spoiled. The agni gabach and let it put it in the bed next to you. Lie it next to you. when people say let and let it be said that you died, and then people will smell this thing, this rotting flesh. Okay. Let your students go into your bed. Room. Nobody else, because you know your students will be in on it, but you don't want anybody else to know about what's going on. The low ligarshim because if other people were there, they would sense that you're not dead. Why? The at because you're lighter. If you're alive, you're lighter than if you're dead. The inu yadi that they know the mimisa that a live person is lighter than a dead person. It's true, right? Because it's the way you sort of balance your body when you're being lifted up or something, right, Charlie? Is that why it is? You don't really. Actually, ask Joel Simon about that. <laughs> no, but it is true. Dead weight is heavier, but yeah, I think you can't adjust. I think it has something to do with the way you naturally balance your body. What? That's true. He was pretty heavy. That's true. He was pretty heavy to Brutus. So they did this. So Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yeshua, who were the two future uh, rabbis of uh, Rabbi Akiva. Anyway, so they were his two students. They came and they took were taking him out in this uh, coffin to out of Yerushalayim because he can't bury a body in Yerushalayim. So apparently. That they would let people leave the city to bury people. That's also surprising. That's anyway. Kimatu the pitcha when they came to the door. So the uh, the, the uh, zealots who are guarding the gates 
wanted to pierce him through to see if he was really dead. Amaluhu, so he said to them, Rashi says he means this uh, Abba Sikara, said to them, Yomer Rabbanan Dakru, Dakru, you want the Romans to think that we actually like pierce our rabbis? Like, you know, that would uh, be a disgrace if they will find out about that. So, by say, fine, let's just push him around, see if he, see if he moves. You want people to say that we're so cruel that we are pushing around our, the rabbis even in their death? Okay, so they didn't do anything to him. They opened the door. They opened up the gate. He, came, he, was, he, he went out. Now, when he managed to come to the camp of, this, of Vespasian, Alma, he, great, he greeted Vespasian. He uh, cast off his disguise. He greeted Vespasian. He said, Shama lecha malka, shama lecha malka. Peace to you, king. Peace to you, king. So Vespasian said, you're deserving of two deaths. love malka ana. Number one, I'm not king, so you're mocking me. Vekarisli malka, and you're calling me king. Vesui malka ana, if I really am king, ada idna maylo asaylo gabay. Why did you come to me to earlier to show your respect? the Kamris, he said back in that, you said, love malka ana, I'm not a king. Ivra, Malkat, in truth you are king. The Elav Malkat, if you were not king, Jerusalem would not be given over in your hands. The Lebanon will fall in the hands of the mighty. The Ein Adir, Elamelech, and Adir means a king. The Adir will be from him. And the end of the Pasuk is, Rashi, what's the end of the Pasuk? Where is it? Um, and the ruler will come out from the midst. So Adir means king. The Ein, um, um, and the Lebanon is the Beit HaMikdash this mountain which is Harbais in Lebanon and that's the number one is I know you're going to be king if I were king why didn't I come to you until now, because of the zealots. If you had a barrel of honey and a dragon was uh, sort of wrapped around it, a serpent was wrapped around it, wouldn't you break the barrel in order to get rid of the uh, serpent? So here too, what you should have done is you should have broken the walls of Yerushalayim and, uh, you know, and uh, that would have gotten rid of, we would have come in and you would have dealt, and you know, that would have just ended the whole thing earlier. Would have gotten rid of the uh, zealots. So, uh, so you, you had a solution. So, uh, so okay. So Ishik, he he didn't have a response. Karyle Reb Yosef, Vitim Reb Yosef, Reb Yosef, and some say Reb Yosef said about this that Reb Yochanan and Zakai was uh, was 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 wasn't able to find response. Meishim Chachamim Achor V'Datam Yisakel that God sometimes causes the wise men to you know retreat backwards and their wisdom to be foolish. Okay, he he, he lost his ability. He, should, he he knew better. He knew how to respond better. He should have responded better. By the way, what he should have said was, "Lay no." If there was a serpent around a barrel of honey, we wouldn't just destroy the barrel of honey first we would try to get rid of the serpent without destroying the barrel. Shaklin and Savta, we would take tongs. The Shaklina Leila Darkon, we would remove the serpent. The Kavlina Leila, we would kill it. The Chavisa Shavkina Leila, we'd save the barrel of uh, honey. So here too, we thought we could find a way to deal with the, uh, with the uh, zealots without having to destroy Yerushalayim. So that's not an answer. Okay, anyway. Uh, but basically, Vespasian was saying, you know, you should have, you should have dealt with the situation if you, and, and not waited this long. The uh, Hachi, while they were having this Conversation. Asi Pristika, Alei, some messenger came, Miromi from Rome, Amalei, and said, Kum, get up, the Misle Kesar, the Caesar has died, the Amri Hanu Chashivi de Romi, and the important ones, presumably like the Senate in Rome has decided, Losivach Beresha, to make you the Caesar. 
Now, if Basin was wearing one shoe, you wanted to put on the other shoe. He couldn't. He couldn't. So he tried to take off the one that he had on. Lo nothing, and he couldn't get the one. He couldn't get the one on off, and he couldn't get the one off on. Amar, my hi, what's going on? Amar, you gotta like, it's like it's so funny, you know? They weigh, they have like this Vespasian, and then like this problem with his shoes. It's like so I don't know, humanizing or something. What? Him human. Exactly. Anyway, he said, "My high, what's going on?" I'm away. Loaded tire. Don't worry that this is happening. Shmua tova askilach. You heard a good report. tova to dashen that a good report causes your bones to be fattened. So therefore, your 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 feet swelled with a sense of pride and gladness, and you can't get one shoe off and you can't put the other one on. Elamaitakante. So what can you do now? Because you got to get a shoe, your shoes off. Lazy inish. I know I just can't cut them off. Lazy inish to low go bring somebody who you who you know you uh, who's disturbing to you who you don't you know you don't like their, being in their presence um, and let him walk in front of you and a downtrodden spirit will will you know will dry up the bones okay so it'll restore your uh, feet and your to your to their right proportions he did that and it worked he got his shoe off okay anyway since you're so wise why didn't you come to me you could have found another way you said you couldn't you don't want to destroy Yerushalayim but you could have found some way to get you know some like you did some scheme if you're so smart so I'm a lave, lo amri lecha. I told you why I didn't come to you because we had these uh, zealots. Below amri lecha, I'm a lave. Ananami amri lecha. Didn't I tell you you should have had a way to deal with it? Okay, so they're going around in circles. Anyway, okay, I'm a lave. May the last you know. So now, fine, just say sense. Look, I got to go back to Rome. And I'm going to send somebody else because we're still taking over. We're still conquering Yerushalayim. I'm going to send some other, some general. Ask for me something that I can give you. Give me Yavna and its wise men. The very famous statement, which is, you know, Rabbi Yochanan and Zakkai. Um, you know, it's interesting because this is introduced, right, to Hakimu Kulehai, that, you know, you're so wise. And Rabbi Yochanan and Zakkai is trying to figure out a way to, like, preserve something, right? We didn't want to destroy. Yerushalayim, we're trying to find a way to preserve it, and so on. And so what he realizes, and also echoes back, right, when Rabbi Yochanan Zakkai says, find a way to get me out of the city, maybe I will have Hatzala Porta. What was the phrase back there? It was, uh, was it Hatzala Porta or something? Yeah. So like a little thing to preserve. So recognizing we're not going to be able to save the base Hamikdash, but there is something, but what we have to do is figure out how to move beyond it, how to go to the next stage. And of course, this is the whole transition from a temple-centered Jerusalem, you know, uh, Judaism to a rabbinic centered one fine the base of Mikdash is destroyed we have to come to terms with that that's going to happen you know let's move on to think what's the next sort of focal point is going to be you know what's going to bring us into the future is the focus on Torah so that's what he asked for um, which by the way never explained by these stories is, is like why was he offering him something it was like oh I'm so impressed with how wise you are because you were the one to first tell me that I was going to be the Caesar like what did he do that he was deserving of some Type of a you know of of, of like an accommodation. Anyway, fine. Uh, so give me anyway. He's afraid of something here, you know. Uh, uh, Avicii is afraid of his uh, fall. Right. And 
his followers are apparently afraid of the rabbis of the population, and which is why they won't uh, uh-huh. praise Rabbi body. Uh-huh. Maybe he's also afraid of something. He's going to conquer this country, but right. they're going to, you know, he has to... He has Religious to implication? Oh, he has to rule over it. That's well, interesting. So you might as well... Oh, that's an interesting point. Uh, that's an interesting point. Maybe he realizes that Rabbi Yochanan Zaka is in a leadership position, and he's doing it for more political issues. That's a good point. Yeah. So there's also an old tradition in Europe that a new ruler would uh, start his rule by making gestures of compassion oh I see that ah oh that's nice okay that's nice got it got it um okay so give me chiyav nevichachameha um, and the uh, sort of the chain of Rebbe Gamliel meaning, meaning the family of Rebbe Gamliel of the Nasi so he wants to preserve like the religious you know, you know a religious center the you know, Torah and so on which is going to be the religious future and he wants to preserve like political leadership and then the Nasi and you know the status that comes with the house of the Nasi and very interesting and then the other one was a very much less of a national one and much of a personal one give me some type of uh, you know uh, doctors that will take care and heal Rabbi Tzadok because you know so uh, it's a little funny I mean trying to sort of figure out how that fits into the other two but some sense like not only looking at the larger national picture but at uh, focusing at you know the individual acts of righteousness that have to be recognized so even Rabbi Tzadok there are a lot of details that are mirrored among stories like the shoe you know, right the, oh I wasn't thinking about that she wasn't wearing shoes right nephew of the Caesar right oh that's a very good point so maybe it's a, just a way of essentially tying it weaving back the previous story but that's a good point the shoe also yeah Robert Sadiq was fasting so that the temple wouldn't be destroyed. Right. And now, now the temple is going to be destroyed. Acceptance by, by Rabbi... Um, oh, I see. Saying, you know, oh. going to be destroyed. So that's let's have a healing... Oh, that's nice. Oh, that's very nice. I mean, sort of like the same idea. Temple's going to be destroyed. We have to move on. So we're going to move to Yavne and transition right. that way. Rabbi Tzadot, as fast as it wasn't going to be destroyed, now we're going to have to find a way to transition to the next stage. Right. right. It's going in the direction of life. Right, right. That's a very, that's a very beautiful point. I really like that. Okay. Kariyale Rav Yosef, he came Rabbi Akiva. Now, Rav Yosef and Rabbi Akiva responded and they said, They did not like they did this this response. That was a foolish response. He should have said to him, you want, you want a request? The request is, leave us. Don't, don't lay siege to us. So who saw was of the opinion, maybe that much he won't do. And here's the phrase again, and then I won't even get this little salvation. And of course, this is so appropriate for Rabbi Akiva, because Rabbi Akiva, of course, was, you know, backed by Kochva, and he was very messianic, and wanted the restoration of Jewish sovereignty and so on, right? So Rabbi Akiva did not want to come to terms with the new reality. He wanted to ma- hold on to the old reality of the Beis HaMikdash and of Jewish sovereignty and so on. Whereas he was accepting, you know, that Yavna replaces Beis HaMikdash. You can have the Nussi's house without having the same type of sovereignty that we had before, right? But that was not Rabbi Akiva. Um, okay. Um... Uh, what was this uh, healing for the healing of Rabbi Tzadok or the doctors the first day when they tried to uh, revi- you know sort of uh, get him back to health they made him drink water that had like bran had been soaked in it so it had like a little bit of nutrition but it was still very uh, you know mostly water he was able to absorb it in his body the next day water that had uh, Rashi says 
like a certain type of uh, some type of a wheat that was uh, uh, um, um, you know you was actually saying brand. Yeah, no, the Maya de Pari I thought was brand. Yeah, he said they're brand. And this Maya de Rashi says, yeah, no, Rashi says with a little bit of flour, brand with a little bit of flour. Um, okay, de Kimchan, the third day water that had the, that had flour soaked in it. Okay, so each day was more it was a liquid diet with more and more nutrients. Until his stomach expanded little by little. Okay, I really like your explanation, David. That it's like basically it's it's sort of in a, in a very personal way symbolizing the getting over the korban abayis and transitioning into a new type of a state. What? The word porta appears a lot. What? Same word that he used for a, a, a hasela porta, a little salvation. Oh, very nice point. Very nice. Okay, azul shadri lititos. So then uh, this Pazian sent uh, Titus. Um, the Amar, and he said, So, where is their God, the Iraq that they have uh, found refuge in? Um, so, um, so that's the Pasuk from Dvarim. You know, he will say, where actually the little circle should have been before the Amar. And uh, he will say, Where is their God? This verse refers to the wicked Titus. That he blasphemed towards God. Ma'asa, what did he do? By the way, you'll notice that Jerusalem isn't being given over in the hand of a Caesar. It's being given over in the hand of Titus. And before he said it was going to be given over, as the Batosu says, well, no, since it was an extension of the siege that Vespasian laid, it was like it was being given over in the hand of the Caesar. Caesar could be later become Caesar. There you go. Okay, so, Ma'a, um, so what did he do? Tafas Zona Biado, he took a prostitute in his hand. He went into the Holy of Holies. Notice, by the way, we have completely now jumped over the entire, you know, burning and destroying of Jerusalem the breaching of the walls we're now like all the way to you know to entering into the base of Mikdash he went into the Holy of Holies um, he spread out a Sefer Torah um, which I don't know if there was supposed to have been in the Holy of Holies the Avera, and he basically had sex with his prostitute on a Sefer Torah in the Holy of Holies the Saif, he took a sword the Gidirat and he pierced the Parochas uh, the veil between the Holy of Holies and the uh, and the Heichal. The um, and a miracle happened. No, not a saving miracle. And there was blood spurting out of the curtain of the Holy of Holies. Right? Tosus was said that it was done to show how difficult the destruction of the base of Nikdash was, but it also could have been done to mislead Titus. So, Kishavar and Titus thought, Haragat Atzmo. So, this is a euphemistic way. He killed himself, but it means he thought he had murdered God. Your enemies have cried out in the midst of your uh, meeting places, meaning the Beit HaMikdash, where you, God, cause your presence to be, you know, to, 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 to dwell. They have made their signs into signs. They have seen this as a sign that they have uh, killed you. That they, um, who is like you, who, uh, the, you know, with the, the strength of God? Who is like you, God, that you are so, you know, restraining and hard? And, and 
you can hear the cursing and the blaspheming of that wicked person and be silent so right you know it's a little way the rabbis are like both sort of praising and astounded that God could allow such a thing to occur so the way of expressing their like you know their like incomprehensibility to understand how could this happen not only the basement could be destroyed but God's name be so desecrated and there'd be no response from heaven so they reframe it as a way of praising God okay so the Bein Rebbe Yishmael Tanah Mi kamocha be'ilim Hashem, who is like you amongst the mighty God? Mi kamocha be'ilim, who like you, is like you amongst those who are silent? Ma'az, that you're able to be so silent at this moment. Ma'asa, what did then Titus do? Nathalus a parochas, he took the parochas. Fa'asa k'min gargutani, he made it like a sack. Fa'evi kokelim shebe mikdash, he put all the vessels in the mikdash, v'nicham be'en, and put it in it. Fa'oshivan desvina, and he put it on a boat. Le'lech lishkabech be'iro, to go and to praise himself in his city. Shinemar, the verse says, now the simple sense of this verse does not refer to it, but we're going to reread it. I have seen wicked that are buried and they have come in from a holy place. They have come and they have been forgotten in the city which they have made. Now, what does that mean? Don't say I have seen them buried. I have seen them gathered. The wicked gathered. They will be forgotten. They will praise themselves in their cities. No, it does mean buried. Even the buried treasures, was revealed to Titus and his armies. Okay. Now, there he was crossing the, crossing the, uh, uh, the Mediterranean to return to Rome. And a, um, a, uh, you know, a big uh, wave rose up to drown him. Oh, sure, here's where God wants to take me on. In the, in the ocean with the uh, with some water because this their God only knows his strength is only in water. Ba Paro when Paro came Tavo b'mayim he drowned him in the in the water. Ba Sisra when Sisra came Tavo b'mayim he drowned him in the water. Of course you know that, that because one of the pesukim there in Shias Tzvora says Nachal Kidmon Garfaim Nachal Kishon Garfaim and so on. So Avhu Omed Alav Litovani b'mayim here too he wants to fight me in the water he couldn't fight me back on land. In Gibru if God is really mighty Yahweh Yabosham Let's fight on land. Okay, let him let's see if let's see if he can fight me on land. Um Amra, heavenly voice came out and said Russia ben Russia ben Menosho, Ace of a Russia, wicked, the son of the wicked, the son, the grandson of Ace of the wicked one. There's also the tie-in of Rome to Edom. I have a tiny little creature in my in my world. The Yitushma, it's known as a gnat. The Amai Karle Birikal. Why is it called a, a tiny little creature, a, a light one? That it takes in food and apparently it does not excrete it. I don't know why that means it's a light creature. Anyway, Aloyabasha. Go onto the land and try to fight against this gnat. So he landed. A gnat came. Went up his nose. And started piercing in his uh, skull. Um, you know, in his brain. Um, and eating away there. For seven years. And obviously this was causing him tremendous distress. One day he was walking by by the doorway of a, uh, of a uh, blacksmith. So he heard the sound of like the beating of what is it on the anvil like uh, is that the, what's called the anvil well, well anyway um, um, and for the, the gnat was like 
startled by that harsh sound, and he stopped, you know, uh, uh, eating away at his brain. So, Amar, Ikatakanta, oh, there's a way to at least get a little relief. Every day they would bring a blacksmith, and he would, like, bang with the, uh, you know, on the anvil. Um, um, the Nachri, if he was a non-Jew, Yavle Arba Zuze, he'd give him four Zuz. The Yisrael, if he was a Jew, It's enough that you have seen your enemy and you've seen me in anguish, so that's enough payment for you. For 30 days, Ovid Hachi, they did this, and it gave him some relief. After that, even the Dosh Dosh, once the Nat sort of grew accustomed, it was accustomed, it, 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 grew, it developed a, what's it called, an immunity to it. Okay, <laughs> it's like, a, what's it called, a, the, the strain after, you know, you give it some medicine and you develop an immunity to this. <laughs> so Tanya, we found a Brisa. I'm already Pinchas ben ben Aruva. Ania Yisib ben Gedoli Romi. I was amongst the uh, you know the important uh, the uh, prestigious people of Rome. And when Titus died, Patsuet Mocho, they cracked open his skull. Umatsubo, and they found inside his skull that the gnat had grown and the gnat had become Kitsipur drawer like this uh, wild bird. Nishko Shnei Slaim with 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 ways two Slaim. Nisatan and the Bryce we taught Kigozo Ben Shana, like a pigeon a, a year old, Mishko Shnei Litrin that weighed two liters. Amar Bayi Naktina, and we have a tradition, Pim Shon Choshet, it had a mouth of uh, of, uh, of brass, Ubitsiparnav Shel Barzel, and it had, uh, its uh, fingernails was of iron, okay, so this was eating away, I don't know how it developed brass and iron in the middle of his head, but anyway, maybe a little bit also echoing the, uh, the, uh, the uh, blacksmith theme. Kihavi when he was dying, Amalu, he said to the people, Likliyilahu um, Gavra, burn my, uh, you know, burn, cremate me, leave Durilikitime Asheviyami, and spread my ashes on the seven seas. That the God of the Jews should not find me in death and make me stand in judgment in the afterlife. So somehow he believed that if his body had been scattered and the ashes scattered, he would be saved to judgment in the afterlife. Okay, and we will continue with uh, the next the next uh, sort of story that relates to this uh, pick up with this tomorrow alright that was fun <laughs> exactly that's the only time people learn this Gemara but I appreciated everybody's input that was a really uh, 